Hey everybody, welcome back to Challenge Call with Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max. And I am Avery. How are you guys? It feels like it has been forever since we recorded, but it's really only been about a week. Uh, given it's been like an extra day on top of a week, it's been like eight days, but still, it feels like it's been so long. Uh, maybe we're just super busy and have a lot going on. I don't know, but uh, we're going to try to more regularly stick to getting an episode out Wednesday nights. So we'll be released by Thursday mornings, I think is what we're kind of planning on. But Avery, how are you doing? I'm alive. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good, man. It's uh, It's been a lot the last couple of days. Um, I got this new uh, magazine. I just went grocery shopping and it's a Walter Payton magazine. And I was like, oh my God, I'm about to record our podcast. Bear down, baby. And you know how I love Walter Payton, everything he stands for. And so, yeah, Walter Payton magazine at the good old High V here in Omaha, Nebraska. Can't beat it. There you go. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got no new updates. Uh, off season football is in the lifting period. So, I've been going to all the lifts and stuff which is fun, but kind of tiring, especially when we, we lift at like five 30 when I typically get off at like four. So I'm just kind of sitting around for an hour and a half waiting for the first group to get in and lift. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Um, dude, I feel you on the time restraints, uh, Monday, Friday, and Saturdays. I work still my other job, plus I'm student teaching. So Monday and Fridays are 16, 17 hour days for me. And they are an ass kicker. They suck. But Someday we won't be as busy, right? Or we'll be dead. One, one of the two. <laughs> I, I like to think so. I like to think one of these days eventually we won't be so busy. But despite how busy we are, we managed to get together for at least an hour a week and give you guys an episode. So here we go with today's. Starting right off with our sports news. Um, there's a rumor out, actually, that Iowa has been looking into UNLV's offensive coordinator or someone from UNLV to be the offensive coordinator. Um, that the connection I have there, which is very, very strange to me is UNLV actually runs a lot of two back stuff, like with two running backs on the same side. And we are going to be implementing that in our offense a little bit. So the past three or four days, past week or so, I have been breaking down UNLV's film from this year. I almost every game, I just got assigned three more games today to sit there and cut up and break down. <laughs> And so I keep seeing UNLV's like name and I'm just like, what is it with this school being so involved in my life right now? Hey, maybe there's a potential coaching opportunity out there at some day. Uh, but Brennan Marion, if that's the same guy, that's the UNLV's head uh, or offensive coordinator. So uh, Brennan Marion, it looks like he's been a rising star. He just took over in 2021 and, I mean, hey, he ranked UNLV's offense at 47th last year. I mean, and they're not a non, they're a non power five. So a 47th for a non power five is pretty solid. They're in the top 50. So, hey, I wouldn't mind the hire. I truly wouldn't. The I, only issue with it is UNLV is highly known for the go go offense. Right. And like Iowa is the polar opposite. Uh, Iowa is very use up the clock, play defensive football, you know, run the ball, run the clock, like play it slow. UNLV, the go-go offense, they push the ball, they drive the tempo. They have like 80 some plays a game, mm -hmm. which is a lot. And just, oh my gosh. It you is would know. You, you broke down the film. You would know. It, it, yeah. Um, it fucking sucks. <laughs> But no, uh, and I respect what you're feeling, but and Iowa definitely does not have that personnel now, but there's a potential Iowa could have that personnel in the near future. I know the swarm for Iowa made a really, really big contribution in getting, getting a five-star Caden Proctor to Iowa City. He just flipped his commitment from Alabama back to the Iowa Hawkeyes. And so maybe we can get players like that in that could utilize Brennan Marion's uh style of offense there's the there's there's potential with it it's just I don't, it, it depends on how much bend kirk is gonna have like who who's controlling the offense down there you know what I, like if we brought him in who's controlling the offense is he gonna be run through kirk 
or is Kirk going to be run through him kind of a thing? Who's going to have the true reins? Because it, it can't be one hand on each. There can't be one of each hands on the reins because that's right. just not going to work. That's going to create problems, especially with the two completely opposites that they are and everything. So one or the other of them is going to have to fully have both hands on the reins and the other is going to have to just go along with it and, you know, manage the other aspects of their job. Yeah. And another aspect with it, as you mentioned, is like, I feel like at the stage Kirk is in at now, he needs to just give the play calling and the offense to the offensive coordinator. He's so close to being out. Like he's so close to retirement. I say in the next three years, we have a whole new coaching staff anyways. And it could be- Once he hits his record and breaks it, maybe by a decentish amount, like he'll probably break it, like beat it by five, 10 games or something. And then yeah, be done. For sure. Um, one other thing that happened and why Brennan Marion's name is starting to come up is because Paul Christ, Iowa offered Paul Christ, the former Wisconsin head coach, the offensive coordinating position, and he turned down the Iowa Hawkeyes. And, you know, that's fine. I'm not even upset because Iowa, it would have been the same shit that we've seen in Iowa for the last 10 to 15 years. Iowa and Wisconsin are like the Spider-Man meme looking at each at each other, pointing at each other because they're the same damn thing. And so I'm glad Paul Christ isn't coming to Iowa City. So hey, you're lost, Paul. I think it'll I think it would potentially be a good move. Bring in UNLV's OC, give him full reign, let him transform the offense a little bit, not just do the same like there can be elements of the same thing. I'm sure he can adapt and they can like make things suitable to what they have and all of that. But I think you're right. With Kirk inevitably leaving sooner rather than later, it's probably time he just kind of let the OC do what the OC is going to do. I agree 100%. So we'll see what the future holds in Iowa City. And speaking of offensive coordinators, the Bears have their number one candidate for their offensive coordinator. And surprisingly, unlike we were talking about, it's actually Shane Waldron. He's, He's the number one candidate right now. Seattle Seahawks, former OC, right? Yep, former and OC. So I don't know what that means in the future of fields and stuff because it was so obvious last week when we were thinking about it. But And now it's like, oh, I don't know. Dude, and you, this just goes back to the genius of Ryan Poles, right? He didn't want to show his hand, but he did want people to think what we were thinking. What I think he did with Cliff Kingsbury, he wanted more dirt on Caleb Williams. He wanted to know how Caleb Williams thinks. And so he brought him into Chicago. Like, and hey, talk to me about Caleb. Tell me what you know about Caleb Williams and Greg Roman. Probably the same thing. Hey, what was it like unlocking Lamar Jackson? What was it like unlocking Josh Allen? And then those two things helped him make a decision because Shane Waldron was the very first offense coordinator we interviewed for the Chicago yeah. Bears head coaching job. And his resume says it all, man. Like Geno Smith was a career journeyman backup and he led him to two very successful seasons in Seattle. Russell Wilson had an MVP caliber season under him in 2020 and 2021 before he fell off with the Broncos. And then prior to that, he was the quarterback coach in New England. And granted, it's New England and it was Tom Brady. And it goes back to the same Luke Getze thing. Does Tom Brady really need a quarterback coach? But at the same time, he also had Mac Jones rookie year that he was very successful before Mac Jones fell apart. So and I know you, you got to think that relationship can work both ways a little bit too. When you have a quarterback like Tom Brady in your room, you can learn just as much from Tom Brady as a quarterback's coach as Tom Brady can from you coaching him. You know what I mean? Like that can be yeah. a two way relationship. That's how you, that's how you learn. <laughs> Well, and I'm forgetting a spot. So he actually was Tom Brady in 27, uh, 2013 through 2017. But he was the Rams with Sean McVay, too. So he's learned from a lot of great coaches. Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Sean McVay. Like, he's coming into Chicago with a wealth of knowledge. And it's a lot more experience than what Luke Getze had with Matt LaFleur and Green Bay. So like, I'm very excited for this opportunity with Shane Waldron. And it just kicks the story down the uh, line a little bit farther because uh, Shane Waldron worked with the quarterback collection, which brought in Justin Fields and Caleb Williams. So he's worked with both quarterbacks in the past. So at the same time, you don't really know who we're keeping yet. And that's probably the best thing for trade capital 
if we want to trade Justin Fields or trade capital if we want to trade that number one pick is to keep other teams guessing. That's true. They're, I don't like not knowing for sure. It does keep things exciting and it does give us a little more flexibility as far as arguments to come further down the road. But I don't know. I, I'm somewhat excited, but at the same time, I have a healthy amount of skepticism just because I still believe in the whole need a head coach, you know, philosophy. Like we need someone with head coaching experience. We need someone who's big. Granted, we, we did interview worse. We interviewed yeah. a couple guys who were not offensive coordinators whatsoever. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm glad we at least got an offensive coordinator from the NFL because one of our other candidates was an OC in college. And I was like, Kentucky. why, why yeah. are we even talking about this? But uh, we'll see. My, my big thing is we'll see. Because before I can get excited about this, I need to see what we do as a team. I need to see who our quarterback is. The OC like is somewhat irrelevant to me right now because who the fuck's the quarterback? You know, a hundred percent dude. And that's going to be the biggest thing that we got coming up. The one thing on that line, Matt Eberflus during all of his offensive coordinating uh, interviews with Ryan Poles, he fiercely defended Justin Fields. You got to think Matt Eberflus is hitched to Justin Fields so much because for this year coming into 2024 it's both their asses like if they don't come on and uh, matt eberflu sticks with fields and field sticks in chicago like it's make or break it's do or die like you make the playoffs or you're out of a job you there's no more seven and ten there's no more eight and nine there's no more wiggle room hey you either perform or you shut up and you get out of chicago now, I did see a rumor today that supposedly, according to NFL insider Benjamin Albright, no idea who that is, NFL insider, <laughs> I guess, uh, that there's a rumor that the Bears actually plan not to trade and they're going to take Kale Williams first overall. Just a rumor. Nothing's confirmed on that, but that that is a little bit of the word out there. So thinking of that, especially in regards to Matt Eberflus defending Justin, like... It's almost like you said with Ryan Poles being smart and not showing his hand. Is there a worrisome theory that like, of course, Matt Eberflus is going to defend Justin because they want to trade Justin for as much as possible. <laughs> and Or it could be the both side. Matt Eberflus is speaking the truth and Ryan Poles is like, well, let's not be hasty here. We yeah, could, could still go. take Caleb Williams. It could go either way. He could have, and, leaked it. He could have leaked the rumor in hopes that it was like, hey, I don't know. We're taking it. Yeah. And so like at the end of the day, dude, like there is so much up in the air in the Chicago Bears future that it's not even funny. It holds on a thread of both our fandoms. We both said it. Caleb Williams is the quarterback next year. We are not Chicago Bears fans. And I don't know how much I am going to stick to that, but I do not want Caleb Williams as the Bears quarterback. I feel like I prob I don't think I'll truly pick up a new NFL team. Like I'll still be a Bears guy, but what probably happens for me is I probably get very very removed from the NFL for a little bit and watch college. Just like I will be full throttle like involved in college football and NFL. Eh kind of be on the TV. <laughs> I, I feel that. And like what I would probably do in that stance is like, yeah, I'd still probably support Chicago. I always have, but at the end of the day, it's going to be, it's going to revert back to me being a bears man with Jay Cutler. I did not like Jay Cutler. And I, so like I wanted to win games. So if Cutler had a good day, great. I wouldn't like praise the guy, but I would be like, yeah, Cutler played good. But I'm not going to love the guy. I'm not going to buy his jersey. I'm not going to support him outside of being the Bears quarterback. But I don't really truly like the guy. So I don't know if I truly will ever get to that point where I'm like, I like Caleb Williams. But one more thing on Bears coaching staff, uh, and I know we didn't mention it, but Matt Eberflus did interview for a defensive coordinating position, um, not like leaving, not leaving, not leaving Chicago, but he interviewed a uh, person for the defense coordinating position. Yeah, Chris Harris, the uh, cornerbacks coach for the uh, Tennessee Titans under Mike Rabel. I like this hire. He's a former Bear. He was on the Bears Super Bowl team in 2006 when we lost to the Indianapolis Colts. And he's rose through the ranks. He's the cornerback coach for the Titans. And he doesn't have to call up defensive plays. Just learn under Eberflus. You can have the title. It doesn't mean you got to be the play caller. 
For sure. The defense, first of all, I low-key forgot we even needed a defensive coordinator. (laughs) Second of all, um, it's the situation is completely different than our offensive coordinator because, like I say, we need a head coach on the offense. We need someone with head coaching experience. We need, like, a guy there. That's because we have Eberflus on the defense. Yep. The, defen- the defensive coordinator on the defensive side isn't a defensive coordinator. They're a coach with a title. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Eberflus is the defensive coordinator. They're the coach with the title. So, yeah, that has been a little further out of my mind. I'm not too worried about it. But that that is good to know that, you know, like Titans, yeah. Titans cornerback, I can get behind that. But speaking of former Bears players as well, Jim Harbaugh has officially left Michigan for the NFL. Um, unfortunately not for the bears, obviously, as we still have Eberflus and he probably doesn't want to take an OC position. Um, but he will be going to the Los Angeles chargers as their head coach next year. Yeah. Um, and that's big news that happened. What today, this morning. Um, and the thing with Jim Harbaugh, man, is we kind of saw the writing on the wall. We were just waiting for the perfect team to do it. And Jim, I forget if we talked about this. Did you see he actually, before before this was released, if he was going to re-sign with Michigan, he specifically had like an amendum in his contract that was like, I am not allowed to be penalized or investigated or anything for any of the like preceding like things going on with Michigan. Which I think Michigan was gonna give him that. I yeah. truly I mean, that's a genius move. That like oh, that you gotta do that. <laughs> Even over sanctions and everything, like, but it would have been a pu- publicity nightmare for the Michigan Wolverines if something really bad came down on well, Jim Harbaugh. For the NCAA, it wasn't like for Michigan. It was like the NCAA is not allowed to investigate me for this stuff at Michigan if I come back. Which this is nuts too, because like at the end of the day, that's probably what pushed him to Los Angeles because <laughs> the NCAA was not going to accept that one bit. Because everybody gets targeted in the NCAA, regardless of what your name is. Like Joe Paterno, longtime Penn State head coach. Definitely different circumstances and stuff with that. But, I mean, like, and other players, like Urban Meyer, like, down in Florida and stuff like that. Like, it doesn't matter who, what your name is. You're still going to face consequences if you fuck up under the NCAA's jurisdiction. And I don't think the NCAA was willing to fight with that. And so I think they said, no, that's not going to be allowed in your contract. And Jim's like, well, adios. See you later. You can't touch me in the NFL. You can do whatever you want to do to Michigan. For sure. Like, do think what you will with Jim Harbaugh and all the investigations going on and stuff or all the rumors and whatnot. I don't know if he knew about it or if he didn't. But at the end of the day, in a sense, he was saying, I will come back if I'm allowed to get away with murder. And if you're going to question me for that, then I'm not even going to be questioned. I'm going to leave, which yeah. who can blame him? Cause Michigan with or without him would have gone downhill. Like they are not going to be returning college football playoff. Even if they had Jim Harbaugh next year, they would not have been returning college football playoffs. They are going to lose everybody. Well, and this is the crazy part with that too, is JJ McCarthy already declared for the NFL draft, um, which I think it is one year too soon for JJ McCarthy. But at the same time, you got to go when your quarterback or when your head coach is gone. And they're like, yeah, you might not be a first round pick, but at least you'll probably be a second. And that's okay. kind of what I'm thinking JJ was thinking. But yeah, there's going to be so many Michigan players that enter the transfer portal that leave Michigan because there's so much uncertainty with that program now. One, you lost your head coach. Two, you are still under investigation with the NCAA, which could mean no bowl games and no playoffs and loss of scholarships. And three, like overall, like you lost the culture. Jim Harbaugh was the culture. So you lost the culture of Big Blue. And the scary part is probably going to take Michigan a little bit to recover from that, even after they just won the national championship. Yeah, it's it's just like Alabama. I mean, even Alabama <laughs> seeing guys lost and they, they were mostly going to return. Like Alabama mm-hmm. didn't have a crazy number of seniors or anything. Like, you know that they're going to make a great hire and it's still going to be Alabama. But even then, when Saban leaves, everybody dipped. Michigan is not as sturdy as a program. They were going to lose a bunch of seniors regardless. And like, so yeah, they, they're going to, the floodgates have just opened up for the transfer portal. And hopefully Iowa can feed off of that. Oh, stay, in, stay in the Big Ten West, 
stay on a defensive team. You're only a couple states away. You're not all that far from where you were. I mean, shit, if you're from out West, you're getting a little bit closer to home in that sense. Like I, I would hope that Iowa could absolutely feed on a line of transfers coming out of Michigan right now. For sure. A hundred percent. And with Jim Harbaugh and the uh, Los Angeles chargers, Justin Herbert finally gets a coach that can unlock him. We talk about uh, coaches that can unlock players. Justin Herbert has so much talent in the world, and you just think that's going to skyrocket with Jim Harbaugh. I guarantee it. If they don't trade him to take McCarthy. Which, I mean, it could happen, but I don't see it. Like, I think he's a bona fide starting quarterback in the NFL, a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. The only uh, question mark is that division is tough as nails. Because you got the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You got the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton after their late season resurgence. You got Antonio Pierce, which we didn't even mention. He got the interim tag removed off of him. He is officially the Las Vegas Raiders head coach. And he, you saw what he did at the end, second half of the year. He killed it. Like he proved, hey, I'm not just an interim head coach. I am the guy that can change this culture around. And so, like, three guys plus Jim Harbaugh, you got to think that's, like, a damn good division for NFL coaches. And it's going to be scary, and it's going to be competitive, and they're going to beat up on each other. And, yeah, man. It's, it's going to be crazy to watch. That's, that's going to be probably – that's going to rival, like, the top division in the NFL along with freaking – who is it right now? Eagles, Cowboys. Yeah, but – you- One division had all three teams in the playoffs, didn't they? What division was that? Eagles, Cowboys, and no, not this year. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't them. Who was it? I swear there was a division that had three guys, or maybe that. Maybe I'm just thinking of our predictions, and it didn't quite maybe. come to fruition. But yeah. regardless, this could easily become a case of like all of those teams are going to be in the playoffs every year, just record alone. For sure. But speaking of one more head coaching change we have in the NFL, and then we're going to move on. Uh, the Falcons have officially hired a new head coach despite having some interviews with Belichick and stuff. They are going with Raheem Morris, who – where was he just at? He was the Rams defense coordinator. Yeah, Raheem Morris. And the funny thing with Raheem Morris, back in 2017 when the Falcons uh, got rid of Dan Quinn, um, he was the interim head coach for the rest of that year. So they let the guy out of the building, their interim head coach back in 2017. He went on. He had a successful career so far with the Rams as a DC, and here he is. He's back, and he's back with a vengeance, and I'm excited. I mean, it feels kind of like a safe move for the Falcons. I think the one thing the Falcons didn't want to do, so their general manager, and I don't know, we talk about Arthur Blank, their owner, but their general manager kind of gets overshadowed by him, but their general manager is Ryan Pace, the Mm. former Bears general manager. And so – Don't love that. that Yeah, that power struggle with Ryan Pace and Bill Belichick would have been just nuts. It would have been insane. And so, like, I think Ryan Pace is like, I want a guy that I can manipulate because if you look at his track record when he was in Chicago, he only hired guys that he could manipulate and he could be the puppet uh, master. And so at the end of the day, I think Raheem Morris, he's more of a safe hire. And Bill Belichick, he didn't feel like he could control him at the end of the day. So we'll see how that works out for the Falcons. Could be good, could be bad. Who knows? I mean, you got to think. If he was the interim head coach at one point, assuming he did a decent job as the interim, that's probably your number one choice. Like, hey, go ahead, come back, like do it all again. Let's see if you can actually make it real, real this time. But moving on from that, we will move into our divisional round recaps. Um, I don't know if it's just a long time removed, or if I missed a couple of these games, but I don't remember a ton, but we'll see what I do. Uh, Ravens versus Texans. Unfortunately, I I was cheering for the Texans a little bit, so I say unfortunately, but the Ravens beat up on the Texans 34 to 10. Um, This is the only game where somebody actually got beat up on real hard, and Ravens look good. Ravens have the hot hand right now, and they're playing ball. Dude, uh, Roquan Smith, man. Uh, what a what a player. What if we had a middle linebacker like Roquan Smith on the Bears? Oh, wait. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, Roquan Smith looked really, really good. And Lamar Jackson is just a stud. Uh, and the thing is with this game, man, is experience 
versus inexperience. And John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, both of them have been to the playoffs. They've been coaching and playing with each other for, what, like seven years now? And C.J. Stroud and uh, D'Amico Ryan, they're still rookies, man. And so at the end of the day, like, of course it was going to end like this. I mean, this isn't like the regular season. It isn't even the wild card round anymore. This is where the big boys come to play. And I'm not saying the Texans won't be there next year. They might. They have a very young roster and really good team. But the Baltimore Ravens are for real. And we've seen it all year long. And I'm excited. I like the Ravens this year. And I think the Ravens are a fun fun team to root for. They they kind of are. Um, And one of the guys, one of my tight ends is actually a Ravens fan. So, like, I just have, like, a weird connection of, like, Okay, Ravens. Yeah, I don't have a dog in the fight right now. Like my best tight end likes the Ravens. Like, sure, fuck it. Why not? Let's go Ravens. But speaking of who the Ravens are about to play, we have the next matchup, Bills versus Chiefs. Chiefs, unfortunately, once again, I say unfortunately, pulled this one off 27 to 24. Should they have pulled this one off? No. Buffalo just fumbled the bag. Yeah, which I don't know if Buffalo necessarily fumbled the bag. The refs are always in Kansas City's corner. Um, I hate it, dude. I hate how the refs uh, favor Kansas City every time they play. And it's not even like a coincidence at this point. It happens every game. Um, And the Chiefs, man, like, have we seen them play their best football? No. And they're in the AFC Championship. That's the scary part. Now, like, the the refs did definitely affect shit, but at the same time, the Bills did fumble the bag. Like, they're – see, this is the problem is I can't go back and remember now. There were definitely plays that the Bills 100% should have made. Like, the oh. ball that went right through Stefan Diggs' hands. Like, you, you got to catch that ball, dude. You got to catch that ball. This is the divisional round. You are playing to go to the AFC Championship. You got to catch that ball. Um, yeah. That's the only one I can specifically remember. There were another couple times, like there was a fumble here. It was recovered by the Bills, but still, like they fumbled it in the first place. And just, I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you cannot give up this game. And it was still close. Even with those, like, issues, like it was still only a three-point game. They almost had it. Yeah. And the one thing with that, dude, is all year, Sean McDermott, and their offense coordinator, which is Joe Brady now, uh, they've tried to turn Josh Allen more into a game manager. Josh Allen is not a game manager. Josh Allen is a, hey, he's going to throw two, three picks, but he's also going to throw a 75-yard bomb and possibly win you the game. You got to let Josh Allen. The only problem is that may win you in the regular season. But mm-hmm. when you get into the playoffs, especially divisional round, championship, Super Bowl, turnovers are deadly, dude. They are. Like, even I don't care how many big plays you can manage to pop off. Turnovers are – you have to end every drive in a kick if you want to win the playoff games. And if you're turning the ball over – like, even just look at <clears> – <throat> I think it was the 49ers-Packers game. Or, like, you look at that game and it's like it, – when it's just going back and forth, score for score for score – when you're just scoring back and forth like that because both teams are so good, you turn over the ball one time and you're done. You lost the game. Like, that's that. Yeah, for sure. And, but at the end of the day, like like I mentioned, the Chiefs haven't played their best football and they're still in the AFC Championship. So you got to give them their flowers. I mean, if you haven't played your best football and you still have not looked great, but you're still winning games, it comes back to coaching. It comes back to who your quarterback is. It comes back to the experience. Hey, we've been here before. And I hate it. And we'll see next week or we'll see on Saturday uh, what or Sunday what happens. But Sunday at two o'clock, we're going to get the Ravens taking on the Chiefs. Now, you mentioned (laughs) always being on the Chiefs side. And I actually found a fun little fact the other day. The ref that was hand selected for this game, this Ravens home game, might I add, he actually has the highest percentage of penalties against the home team in the NFL. Of course he is. I am pissed. Uh, but before we get into that, I want you to repeat that fact when we get into our recap. Let's get to these next two games. All right. Lions, Bucks. 
Uh, Lions won this one, 31 to 23. Thankfully, finally something happened right. Um, NFC actually happened right perfectly fine. AFC, I just was disappointed. But um, one fun thing with this is actually it's the wave of new analytics that they're going through. I know the Pat McAfee show is already talking about it and stuff. You listen to that at all. But um, the Buccaneers went for a two-point conversion when they were down 14 points. Like they scored, they were down 14 and they scored and they went for two instead of kicking the extra point. New wave of analytics is actually showing that you go for two in that situation because if you get it, then on your next touchdown, you can just kick it and win the game. And if you don't get it, you get another chance to run a two-point conversion to try to tie it. I like it. Yeah, no, I mean, to me, it makes sense. I mean, if you're down 14, you score, like, go for two. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, what's it going to hurt? Because if you don't get it, like you said, you get a second chance at it. And so I don't mind it. What's your thoughts on it? I, to some degree, I like it. And to another degree, I don't, because on, on the second hand, a part of me is like, okay, let's say you don't get the two point conversion. Yeah. You have another chance at a two point conversion, but like, that's going to be a high, high pressure situation and shit. And just, I don't know. And that only ties it. You get that second one and that just ties it. That's whatever you can easily tie up the game by just kicking, kicking two field goals or kicking two extra points. Just kick them. In my head, it doesn't do a whole lot other than change the super tense like decision-making process. If you're going for two on the first touchdown compared to the last touchdown, the effective result is the same. You make it, cool, you win, you don't, and I, I think you just lost. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but the Lions still won. Um, and the Buccaneers still lost. And at the end of the day, the Lions are going to the NFC Championship? What in the heck is going on in this world? Crazy. Uh, first time since 1991 that the Detroit Lions are going to the NFC Championship. Man, three years ago, Dan Campbell came on during his inaugural press conference as the new Detroit Lions head coach. And I know I've been sending you stuff on TikTok all week about Dan Campbell. I don't know if you watched any of them or not, but um, it's been fantastic to see because one, he wanted to come to Detroit. He played for the Detroit Lions. He was on the Detroit Lions 0-16 football team, and he knew how much everything meant to this city, and it's showing. It is showing up so much and everything they're doing. And the Lions are the true definition of grit and the true definition of that underdog story in the NFL. And I just love it. I'm even repping my Sam Laporta jersey today and honoring of the Detroit Lions because Sam Laporta is a dog and he's balling out and I love him and I love the Lions and I hate it because they're NFC North rivals. I don't give a fuck about that. Like when uh, another podcast that I listened to, part of my take, I know I've told you about it. Um, one of their guys was talking about it and he was saying the Lions, and the Bears have always been kind of connected as the bottom dwellers of the NFC North for the last 15, 16 years. And it's like two brothers. You guys are both kind of screw ups, never get anything right. But then you get happy for that one brother that's starting to get stuff going in their life. And they're starting to, oh, they got a good job. They're in a relationship. Oh, they just got engaged. And like they're starting to figure it out. And then you're that other brother that's just like, damn, why can't I figure my shit out? I just, my biggest thing with the Lions that I like is it's almost the same reason I like the 49ers, which we'll get into in a minute. But just the iowa connection in my head mm -hmm. is so strong just because like jack campbell sam laporta even iowa states david montgomery like just when i see a team like that and i can point at them and just be like yeah iowa guys like hell yeah let's go i love that so much um and same with the 49ers who just took on the packers and beat them 24 to 21 you got george kittle you got Brock Purdy, who's an Iowa State guy. There's only a couple of them, but still, George Kittle being the best, maybe second best, you can make an argument, but I would say the best tight end in the NFL right now, just like, that's Iowa's fucking team right there. Like, that just shows what Iowa does as a football team. 
shoot, he might be third best now with the way Sam Laporte has played this year. No. Uh, yeah. You cannot, I, you cannot make that argument. Sam Laporte has been in the league for one year. That's fine, but he's still balling out. Um, funny fact is the top five tight ends, three of them went to Iowa, uh, just oh, to yeah. let you know. TJ Hawkinson, uh, Sam Laporta, and George Kittle. But no, the 49ers fucking beat the Packers. Thank God. Look, I I I mentioned it last week. I don't mind Jordan Love. Like, I don't mind the guy. I And he played a hell of a ball game. Like, I'm going to give him his flowers. They um, kept it really, really close, which I honestly really, really hated. I kind of yeah. wanted to see them get demolished, <laughs> and I was getting a little pissed off. This Because just like I was talking about, this was a game that was just back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, God damn it. When is somebody going to do something to actually win this game? Which that one person did step up after playing a terrible three quarters. Brock Purdy probably played the worst three quarters he's ever played. In <laughs> NFL football. Well, close. <laughs> the worst three quarters he's ever played in the NFL football game until that fourth quarter when it mattered. And this is going to be the controversy over Brock Purdy until he wins a ring. I guarantee it because he was on, uh, he was the Mr. Irrelevant. He was this guy that nobody expected. He has too small a hands. But the thing is with Brock Purdy, man, is he made the throws that counted when they needed him to count. And he let them down. They scored. They went ahead. And the 49ers went up. And it was all the ball was in Jordan Love's court. And he threw a terrible throw. Off his back foot, across the field. Oh, he's just like Brett Favre. He throws off his back foot. <laughs> no, yeah. And, well, and that's what – that. it's funny because, like, I saw this stat too. It's like Jordan Love is really living up to the Packers' legacy at quarterbacks. One, throwing a costly interception off his back foot, just like Brett Favre, and losing to the 49ers in the playoffs, just like Aaron Rodgers. And I thought it was the most hilarious stat I have ever seen because it's true. Hey. And that's how you know Jordan Love is the next Green Bay Packers quarterback right there. Those two statistics. Um, But, no, I do like the 49ers. But at the same time, we talked about the Chiefs not playing their best football. We can arguably say the 49ers have not played their best football yet. And we'll see if either of those teams come up in the conference championships. Definitely. And these are going to be interesting conference championships to me because in the AFC – we have the Ravens versus the Chiefs, which I guess I'm tilting Ravens. Just like I said, one of my tight ends is a fan. So, like, let's go Ravens, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And then the other one, 49ers versus Lions, I don't know who I want to win. I oh. just said, I see both of those as, like, almost Iowa's team. Like, I don't, I really don't know which one I'd be rooting for more. The bigger story, I think, with me and the 49ers is, like <sighs> you said, Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant. There's... And you said it won't end for him till he gets a ring, which is crazy because he's Mr. Irrelevant and he might be playing in the NFC or he is playing in the NFC championship, might be playing in a Super Bowl as a starter, a season long starter, despite being drafted very last. You tell me how many times that fucking happens couple i mean kurt warner did it but he's undrafted i mean uh tom brady was a six rounder i mean okay six rounder mr irrelevant different i'll give you i'll give you undrafted kurt warner but like i said how many times does mr irrelevant kurt warner gets a pass because that'd be below that tom brady was in the sixth round that's a round before i ain't talking about that which that's fair uh before we get into that niners though like well let's just talk about the niners we'll talk about the chiefs uh, after the Niners, man, yeah, no, and I'm not gonna. Be, this is one of those games. I'm not gonna be mad who wins, but the Detroit Lions have never been in a Super Bowl. Never, they've never been in a Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, if you're looking at like a fresh team in the Super Bowl, and like especially for a city that deserves it, like Detroit, dude, it's fucking like negative three degrees over there right now. What do they have to live for right now? It snows all the time. Of course, a lot of them is like Michigan fans. So, yeah, they just won the national championship. So that's good. But they, you also lost your head coach the same year. So, like, a lot of shit sucks. Like, good things happen and then think good, bad things happen. That, I didn't even think about that. Um, imagine how crazy the state of Michigan would be. They just won the college national football championship and they could potentially win the NFL Super Bowl. Like, That's Jesus wild. Christ, what is it with football in Michigan? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, especially after years of terribleness. Like, that's nuts. But I do, I, I, I'm sorry, and I love Brock Purdy, and I love the story, and I love George Kittle, but I think I love the Detroit Lions in that story more. Like, I do like, I like Jared Goff. I've been a big advocate, advocate for Jared Goff. David Montgomery, former Bear, Iowa State, love the guy. Bears didn't want to pay him money, Detroit did. Jameer Gibbs is balling out. Dan Campbell. The man amongst boys, the leader of that team, the heartbeat of Detroit is killing it. And there's so much controversy over like the Dan Campbell hire and just just to see where they're at now. It's fantastic. So, no, I got to go with the Detroit Lions because I love I love that atmosphere. I wish I was. I am going to be thoroughly satisfied either way this game shakes out. Honestly, (laughs) watching this game, I'm going to be like. Whoever comes out of this matchup, they're going to be my Super Bowl picks. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm picking them for the Super Bowl, like, all the way. Like, come on, let's go. You just won the NFC Championship. Let's go win it all. I agree 1 million percent, and I love it for everything in the world. I love it so much. But we also got the AFC game. We have the Ravens. We have the Chiefs. I do not like the Kansas City Chiefs. I Fuck the Chiefs. And it sucks because, like, I remember being this guy in 2018 saying, oh, I like Patrick Mahomes. Like, Andy Reid, he just got his first ring. I like this. Like, it's a new team. But I'm sorry. They are the new New England Patriots. They are. And they – they Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady, and they win too much. They go too much. Seven straight AFC championships is ridiculous. Ridiculous in the NFL. Especially when you got players like Josh Allen, jo- uh, Joe Burrow. It's just frustrating to see. I do like Lamar Jackson, and I like John Harbaugh. And on the flip side, it could be the year of the Harbaugh's. It might not be the year of the Lions, but it could be the year of the Harbaugh's. That's because true. There are, two, there are two potential, like, awesome Super Bowl. And we could get either one. If we get a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl, then, yeah, we're either going to get two Harbaugh champions or we're going to get two Michigan champions. Mm-hmm. And it's just fantastic to see. And one, I think Lamar Jackson, people still doubt him as an NFL quarterback. And I don't necessarily know why. I don't know where this stigmatism is of Lamar Jackson is not like a top five, top 10 quarterback in the NFL because he balls out. You can tell Lamar is the leader of that offense. You can tell that with everything in his power. And the thing is, if Lamar Jackson goes out and beats Kansas City, Oh, man, like that's going to be something special for Lamar's legacy. This is a legacy game for Lamar Jackson. And I want to see Lamar in the Super Bowl. And I, to me, like you said, whoever comes out of the NFC, I'll probably be cheering for. But I wouldn't be mad if the Ravens won it all this year. I truly wouldn't. I don't think I'd be mad. I definitely definitely would prefer to see the 49ers or the Lions – Although I will say, if the Ravens did end up winning it all, we still got Lind- Linderbaum, still got the oh. center there, Iowa. Yeah. So I'm just saying, there's there's three ways that this plays out that a former Iowa player gets a Super Bowl ring. Hold on, is there any players on Casey that not, are not that I outright know of? If they are, they're probably on the bench. I would have to guess, not like actual starting contributing players. But uh, anything. Going through, uh, we got, no, 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 fuck Kansas yeah. City. Yeah, no, I didn't think so. <laughs> get, get Kansas City out of here. We have no Iowa players on the Kansas City Chiefs. So, and also, and I hate it because it's been all over. I don't want to see Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl. That just sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, and there's just too much of that everywhere. And I hate to say it, I, I don't want to see Jason Kelsey in the Super Bowl either in the crowd. Just like I, you know, I think, I would love, to, I would love to see Jason Kelsey actually in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but yeah, him taking on uh, the Buffalo Mafia was funny to see. But at the end of the day, like, let's go Ravens. <laughs> like, like Lamar. Like I sent you another TikTok. And it was like Lamar. There's only one man that can save us. And it was like a, a picture of Lamar holding the American flag running out of the tunnel. He's like, do it for America, Lamar. Do it for America. Hey, and it's true. Like, he's not wrong. Like three-fourths of America 
unless you're in Kansas City or you're in Missouri or Kansas, like you're or you're a bandwagon, like one of my friends. Dude, uh, way, it is. It would be absolutely fucking horrid if the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl and somehow a deal got worked and it got released that fucking Taylor Swift was going to be the Super Bowl halftime show. I can only see that shit happening, and that just pisses me off. Which the Super Bowl halftime show already was announced. It's Usher. It's Usher, baby. So She could make an appearance. You know that they're getting surprise appearances all the fucking time. How cool would it be instead of Taylor Swift, it's Eminem cheering on the Detroit Lions <laughs> till, till I collapse coming into the tunnel, till I collapse in the whole city of Detroit's in Las Vegas cheering on the Lions winning the damn Super Bowl. That, that I would, would be fantastic. That I would, I would fuck with her so much. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, at the end of the day, I'm very excited. This is going to be an awesome, awesome championship. Um, yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm no, really. Yeah. I've got nothing else to say. This is definitely going to be a real exciting Sunday. Uh, 2 p.m. for the AFC Championship, 5.30 p.m. Uh, for the NFC Championship, which is great because it means the game's going to be over and I'm going to have a little bit of time to relax before bed because I'm probably going to be hyped up. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that. Oh, also, we forgot to mention a couple weeks back. Nick Saban's predecessor at Alabama is Kellen DeBoer. Do we never uh, mention that? No, we never mentioned it. So, I mean, we, we, we got 10 minutes. I know this is a little off topic and stuff, but Kalen DeBoer is taking over the legacy of Nick Saban at Alabama. Um, he left to Washington, which we talk about this all the time, right? We talk about when your stock is high, you got to sell. And at the end of the day, Washington's stock is probably the highest it's been in years. And Kalen DeBoer, I don't blame you for taking that job. It's going to be a very hard job because you lose four games that season. You're on the hot seat. Like you lose you can, three game, you lose two games that season. You're going to be on the hot seat. Yeah, and that's the scary part about it. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, I don't know what we'll see. I mean, college football is going to be crazy next year. Twelve team playoff. Yeah, the entire world of college football is going to be crazy just because one, the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. Two, we get a 12-team playoff. Three, like head coaches are changing like crazy. Harbaugh's gone. Saban's gone. DeBoer's in Alabama. Like it's it's just going to be a chaotic mess, and everyone's going to have to feel themselves out. 100%. And, yeah, it's going to be insane. All right, so we talked about that. I know it's a little off-centered a little bit, but that's fine. Um, uh, make your predictions. Who you want to win, as we already mentioned, and then who you don't or who you genuinely think will win in the NFC and AFC championship game. I mean, we already kind of went through wants. I obviously want Ravens, and then I literally could – couldn't be more indifferent about the NFC championship. Okay. Um, who do I realistically think is going to win? That's tough. That is really tough. Um, I still want to say Ravens just because I really haven't thought the chiefs looked great all season. I mean, like I just said, I just said the bills should have beaten them and the bills fumbled the bag. That being said, I don't know. I haven't really watched, truly watched the Ravens play other than the one game against the 49ers where Brock Purdy did not have a good game. That was his worst game, not Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, but, um, or Tampa Bay, Packers. Anyway, I, I I have to say Ravens still. I don't know. I My wants and my realistic like thoughts often will coincide a little bit just because like I'm, I'm going to see what I want, you know? visualization yeah. i think the ravens take it who do i think is gonna win in the 49ers versus the lions brock purdy did have a really rough game against the packers that being said i thought the lions also were moving a little slow against tampa bay tampa bay was real hot i almost have to go with like a little bit of just historic bias and say the 49ers probably have a slight edge over the Lions. And that's fair. I mean, go in with the historic bias. Um, for me, I think, so you got, you got Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. I have, 
No, that's tough because at the end of the day, Andy Reid might come out and Patrick Mahomes might have the best game that they have. The Chiefs just win games. Despite looking like absolute shit sometimes, they just win games. And I hate it. I I hate it so much. But it doesn't go down to experience versus experience. Yeah, Andy Reid might have won um, more Super Bowls, but John Harbaugh has been a damn good coach in this league for so fucking long. So at the end of the day, the way the Ravens are playing, I think the Ravens are the better team. I think Lamar can be the better quarterback. I'm not saying he is the better, but he has a better supporting staff around him. Um, I think Ravens win it also coming out of the AFC. And then uh, NFC, I was not impressed with the San Francisco 49ers against the Packers. Like I do think, I, I mean, I do, like I said, I won't, I don't care who wins that game. I mean, but I am supporting the Lions. And I think the Lions are hot, and they're fighting for so much more than just this year. They're fighting for their whole history of making it to the Super Bowl. And at the end of the day, I think that's going to play in because guess who that one coach that could feed off the city and put it into his players is Dan Campbell. He can feed off that hunger. And I do think the Lions match up very, very well with the 49ers and I think the Lions might win this state uh, damn game I think it's a Ravens Lions Super Bowl baby and that's something that would be just fantastic two teams that don't necessarily make it very often go to the Super Bowl that would be fantastic to see how often so, is there a red team in the Super Bowl I yeah Chiefs Niners you could argue even Patriots have a little bit of red in their spiel but just, I don't know, something about a purple-blue Super Bowl or a purple-turquoise Super Bowl is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. All right, so red teams in the Super Bowl. You got the Chiefs that were in it from 2018, 2020, and 2021. You got the Cardinals in 2008, Falcons in 2016, three, uh, four, Buffalo Bills in the 90s. Uh, I was thinking more recently, but... Four... <laughs> Five, I'm counting them down. Patriots, all their dynasties. I think it's just a purple thing. Buccaneers. There's not a lot of teams that are purple. Yeah, no, I mean, Vikings, Ravens, I think that's the only two. But could you even say the the Ravens are necessarily their primary color is purple? Because I feel like their jerseys are always black for their home home games. So isn't their primary color black? But at the same no, time, black can't talking. be your primary color. That's true. Well, Raiders' primary color is black because they're black and white. <laughs> still, still black. Um, but no, you're right. Um, yeah, I don't know what we're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, this episode just needs to end at this point. We're, yeah. we're, we're right. done. We're, we're scrambling. All right, guys. Um, thanks for listening. Um, this actually has been a great football year. I mean, I think our podcast has done fantastic. Um, skyrocketing. We're getting a lot better at it. Um, but yeah, go like, subscribe, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, listen to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Music. You know what to do. Yeah, and all I got to say is let's get some fucking Super Bowl action going next week and bear down. <laughs>